0: Uh, well, I'm, I'm a bit what you would call um, fashion challenged. I don't know if there's any guys who can relate to my uh, predicament, um, but I almost always will run by what I am going to wear every morning by my wife, Diane, and get her okay on it, because um, if not, I will turn into a walking fashion faux pas, and... Um, I, I don't want to do that. It makes it especially harder when she's traveling, and I have to pick out, you know, just plain, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, something that matches. Um, you wouldn't think it would be that difficult, but uh, it, it is, and uh, I'm a reminder um, of what uh, Genesis says, that it's not good for man to be alone, and that's one more, one more way that that's true. Um, our two older boys... Uh, they learned about fashion sense uh, the hard way uh, many years ago uh, when they were invited to their first Sweet Sixteen party, um, Brian and Daniel and, and their friend Nick as well, the three of them. And uh, this was when they were in that uh, jeans and hoodie stage of life. Do you, do you remember that one? You know, and, and they figured, that's what we wear every day and we are going to wear a hoodie and, uh, and jeans to this Sweet Sixteen party. So I kind of just mentioned, you know, that might not be the best idea. Uh, you may want to think that through. And then Diane tried, and she informed them that there's an etiquette to these kinds of things. There's a bit of a dress code. But um, they were at that stage of life where they knew everything, you know. And, um, and, uh, and so, okay. So, so we, we drove them to the party, and we dropped them off. And then about a half an hour later, we got the text, Mom, Dad, can you please pick us up? You know, they were out of that party quickly because they said they never felt more out of place uh, by the way they were dressed. So lesson learned. You know, that was a good lesson. And um, this morning, I want to invite you to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you have one. And the passage we're looking at this morning is addressed to, to, to some Christians who were trying to kind of recast their faith to make it more fashionable, to fit in with society. They wanted to turn it into a form of kind of um, acceptable rhetoric that would be more relevant, that would make it more hip and and more acceptable and more appealing and and more impressive uh, with the outside world around them. You know, many many still do that. We, we, we're kind of something in us that wants to do that, you know, that, that we want to kind of make faith relevant by reshaping it to fit in with the trends of society. And, and so the message that we're going to find this morning is that that's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Um, the message of a crucified Christ it's an ageless message that is always relevant to everyone, everywhere, and every time. But if you take that message and you try to fit it into the contours of the fashion trends of the day, it's, it's hopelessly unfashionable. So from, from a worldly perspective, it has been, it always will come across as just utter foolishness, not fashionable. And and what we're going to see here is that God actually designed it that way intentionally. So, so don't mess with the message. That's, uh, that's kind of the point. You know, they say in Austin, I think I heard this, they say, you know, people in Austin say, keep Austin weird. I don't know what that means. I've never been there. Um, but maybe the message this morning is keep faith unfashionable. So let me start off and read and then we'll dig in. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So what Paul's doing here in this passage, he's taking his friends uh, for a stroll down memory lane, and he's going back to the beginning of their faith journey, when their life with Christ first started with them. And um, he's kind of doing a deep dive on that. He's putting the magnifying class to highlight what it was and what it wasn't that ignited this faith in their hearts. And the point being that it wasn't about his impressive words and how, you know, how skillful a, a rhetorician he was, it was about this powerful message and, and so what I'll point out here um, that I think this passage kind of draws out is that there is this reality that spiritual life has a starting point. Um, it starts when the call of God through the gospel message collides with a person's life and an individual response. And so when someone hears this message of the gospel and responds in faith, it's the start of something that's brand new, this, this deep work in the soul. It's like a switch gets turned on, and, and a person's life is made alive to God in a way they weren't previously. Now, some of you here this morning, uh, you may be able to like go down memory lane yourself and point to that moment when that happened in your life. Um, Others, like myself, uh, I can't point to the actual particular moment. It was more like a season. Um, So I grew up going to church, and I heard the gospel for a long time. And at a certain point, as I was getting older and kind of coming of age, I kind of just made that decision myself, that whatever thing I'd heard, I wanted to affirm and lean into, and I embraced uh, Jesus as, as my Savior, my Lord. And so I can't tell you exactly when that happened, uh, but I know it did happen. Now, there's some of you here, though, that might not be able to relate to either of those situations, and, and maybe it's what's actually drawn you here uh, to our church. You know that there's something that's missing, and, and maybe you see people here who maybe they seem to have something that you know you don't have. You're not quite sure what it is, but you know you want it, but you don't know how. Um, I don't know if any of you feel that way, but if that's you, if that's where you're at, I want to just say, first of all, uh, I'm so glad you're here. And and what I'd love to do this morning is just take a moment and unpack what this thing is all about with you. Like we said, spiritual life has a starting point. And maybe my hope and my prayer is that uh, today might be your starting point, if you hadn't have that already, um, the Bible's favorite metaphor to talk about this is is birth. Um, so you can think of it sort of like a birthday. You know, uh, October first, nineteen sixty nine is is the day my physical life started, and Jesus would continually talk about this universal need subsequent to the start of a person's physical life where they would need to be born anew or born from, a, from above or, or made alive to God. And so God's original plan uh, was for our spiritual lives and our physical lives to begin together at the same time. But ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden, it hasn't worked out that way. We're born physically alive, but because of sin, we're born spiritually dead. We're disconnected from the God who created us, and something had to happen to fix that disconnect. Um, A price had to get paid to settle that sin issue to reconcile sinful people with a just and holy and loving God. And the price is just simply too high for you or for I to pay. It's just beyond anything any of us could ever pay. And the good news, which is what the gospel is, when you literally translate it, the gospel message is that out of love for you, God sent his son, Jesus, to be the perfect sacrifice, to pay that price in full. And at a time in a particular moment in history, Jesus was born into our world. He came and he lived that perfect life that none of us have ever lived. And then he went to the cross and he gave his life in a way that no one else and none of us ever have or ever could. And there on the cross, everything that needed to be done to settle everything that stands between you and God, between sinful people and a holy God, that got done. It got settled completely when he died on the cross. Or as we just sang, Jesus paid it all. And so that's, that's what we call the gospel message. Paul in this passage calls it, this is the testimony of God. Um, something that applies to all people in all times. And, and this, this saving work that Jesus did, it gets applied to a person's life when you respond in faith when you believe personally in what Jesus has done. And so there's two sides to that faith response. One side is turning away from sin in repentance, and the other side, the flip side, is turning towards God in trust, believing that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for you, and then receiving him personally into your life, into your heart as Savior and Lord uh, so John three sixteen describes it this way. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So that's, that's what it's all about. And, and, and here's the thing, when anyone, no matter who you are, no matter what your life has looked like, no matter how far away from God you seem, no matter what you've done, make that decision to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior with genuine faith, the Holy Spirit comes on. He comes in and he turns on that connection spiritually, and you go from death to life. And so that's That's the gospel message, and I would say that that message is unlike any other message, and you don't want to confuse it with the message of man-made religion, right? Religion will say, try, try really hard. The gospel doesn't say try. The gospel says trust. Very different, right? Religion will hand you a list of rules to follow. Here you go. Follow the rules. And maybe if you do good enough, God will let you in. Here's what you have to do the gospel doesn't give us a list of rules, the gospel gives us a crucified Savior and says, This is what God has done for you. Receive it. And that's where this life, the spiritual life, starts. And it starts because the Holy Spirit of God moves into our lives and our hearts. He turns your heart into his home and he makes the living presence of Jesus a reality in a way that he wasn't before. He makes something brand new out of our lives called a a new creation in scripture that's connected to God, that's alive in Christ. And, And this new you is forgiven. Like not just, you know, the chalkboard is, is, is erased and, okay, don't mess it up again. Forgiven is the status you live from in Christ. Forgiven, accepted, cherished, secure, loved by God, filled with hope, filled with purpose. This, this new you is wrapped up together with Jesus in such a deep and intimate way that when the Father looks at you, he sees him. That's amazing. Um, now, along with new life comes a new lifestyle. The Holy Spirit plants these new desires in our hearts, new passions, all kinds of things to cultivate. He gives a new family, a family of faith and, and, and people to connect to. So after birth comes growth, and, and that's where we just learn to become the kind of people God has created us to be, the kind of people he already sees us and receives us as uh, in Christ. And that's a lifelong process. It plays out on a daily basis. And the beautiful thing, again, is that with the gospel, we don't live to earn God's forgiveness. We, we live from that space of already being forgiven. We live from it, not for it. And so that process of what we're talking about here, spiritual growth. It's kind of what the whole book of 1 Corinthians that we're working through, what it's all about. And part of the reason I think it's so early on, it's like talking about this birth part and why I'm camping on it is because spiritual growth can't happen until spiritual birth has happened, right? And maybe, I hope you're tracking me on that. So here's the thing, if it hasn't started in your life yet, let me, just, let me just gently ask you, do you sense the Holy Spirit calling you to respond? Um, you know, this is not a church that is into hype. Um, you probably know that if you've been coming here for a little while. Uh, there's certain places where you will hear long, impassioned, highly emotional, sentimental salvation calls. I've sat through my share of them, um, through the years, and, and that 's not what we 're about. and it 's interesting here that in this passage, it kind of makes the point that that 's not necessary. Paul he 's reminding his friends how unimpressive his methods were. Utter foolishness, he, from, from the world 's perspective. He says, "When I came and I shared the gospel to you with you," he said, I was weak, I was filled with fear, I was trembling. And he says, that was on purpose. That wasn't a mistake. That was on purpose because the last thing I'd ever want to do is to tell you about him in a way that makes it about me. That was really important to Paul. It's it's not about the man. It's not about the method. It's all about the message, the gospel message. And the goal, he says, is to simply communicate that message loud and clear He says, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Kept on just making it about him, who Jesus is, what that he's done. Kept on putting Jesus front and center in them and inviting them to respond. He says, guys, do you remember what happened? You responded to that foolish message and it changed the trajectory of your life. And you know, that simple gospel message has been doing the same thing for the last 2,000 years. And so if there's anyone here this morning, and you're just at a point where you're like, I need a starting point. I am ready to respond. We're going to just do something a little bit different for just a second. I'm going to just hit the pause button on what we're doing, and I just want to lead us... In a prayer, a simple prayer of faith this morning, and if you need that starting point, you can pray in your heart and give your life to the Lord right now. So Lord Jesus, you just pray, "I believe that you came and died for me. And today, I choose to put my trust in you. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm choosing to trust in you, and today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Come, Holy Spirit, make my heart your home, and do that renewing work in me and change me to be more like him in Jesus name. Amen so you know if if you prayed that prayer and it was a sincere prayer um, here 's the thing God heard it, and He has already started something brand new inside of you and i 'd love to i 'd love to know about it if if you did pray that. I'd love to just kind of come alongside and help in any way I can through this first steps of faith, and you can feel free to let me know over a bowl of chili, and we can talk more. Um, You know, uh, that is kind of gets to the very heart of why I do what I do and what this is all about, seeing people's lives connected with Christ. And that is going to lead us to what comes next, because uh, like we said, spiritual growth can't start before spiritual life has begun. And that's kind of what it gets out next. So I'm going to just keep reading. It says here, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, but no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. All right, so here's, here's where we're at, this Corinthian church that Paul's writing to. They, they had a genuine faith, uh, but it was a juvenile faith. Um, everything that we just talked about had happened in their lives. It was real for them. Their, their spiritual life had started, but it was stuck. Um, and it was stuck for the same reasons that we often find ourselves stuck spiritually. They were were reading from the wrong script. They were trying to live out their new life in the old way, and, and it wasn't working. So they just had too much of the world's value system funneling through their lives, and they had too little of God's kingdom values working through them. And so the presenting issue was this whole idea of, of wanting to be relevant, to make faith sound less foolish so that they could be more fashionable and, and be applauded by the society elites. Um, but the core issue was that they were just reading from the wrong script. And so that's what Paul addresses here. And he's trying to get them unstuck spiritually. That's the goal. And and, and, and here's what I want to say is Really take note of how he does it. This is really important. You know, Paul doesn't, he doesn't chastise them. He doesn't shame them. He doesn't question their salvation. What he does is he simply casts a vision for the life that God had called them to, the life that God calls his children to. And here's what's fascinating. This entire chapter, 16 verses, I realized this early on this week as I was preparing there is not a single command. There is not a single direction. Here's what you're doing wrong. This is what you got to start doing. Um, All it does is just shine the spotlight and showcase for them and for us, this is the life that God has called us to. Um, If you have new life in Christ, he's made you for more, not less. And it explains that God's redeemed children, basically is what he's saying is that you've got access to more than just the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of this age. You've, you have exclusive access to this wisdom that comes from God, that the world just doesn't have access to. They can't get inside that. And so we're working with more. We, we know what matters to the world. We understand the value system of the world, but we also know the heart of God. This is what matters to God. And he's just basically saying, where are you living from? What matters to the world or what matters to the, to, to the Lord? So on the one hand, you've got like conventional worldly wisdom. And it tells us one thing. This is what matters. This is how to live. This is what to do. And on the other hand, you have God's wisdom. It tells something completely different. This is what matters. This is how to live. This is what to do. And these two value systems, they're irreconcilably different. One sounds foolish to the other. The world hears the Lord's values and says, that sounds ridiculous. I don't get it. The question is, which one Which one are we living out of? Which one are we living from? I'll just take another moment to hit the pause button again and and just point out one other thing about what we just read here in this passage that the defining feature of worldly wisdom it's connected to. it revolves around the rulers of this age, who Paul reminds us, they're doomed to pass away. Please don't miss that. Uh, worldly wisdom is all about who's in charge, who's seated in the position of power, who's calling the shots. So, word to the wise, if this applies to you, if your faith is wrapped up around your political party, if what really matters most to you is getting the right guy in the Oval Office, you may want to think that one through a little bit. I don't care what party you're aligned with, according to God's word, if I'm reading it right, it's destined to fade away. It's not going to last that's as far as I'm going to go this morning, um, but I, I think it's quite clear that a faith that is tangled up in power politics, it's reading off the wrong script. That's the world's script, not the Lord's, and it may be an area of growth that you may want to just maybe just pay attention to. All right, so, so there's a wisdom from God. It's ageless. It applies to every culture, every time, every person. It's eternal. And it only gets access through the Holy Spirit who indwells the believer. Let's, let's finish reading this passage, and I'm going to close with, a, with an illustration. It says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things God freely has given to us. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So do you listen to the radio in your car? Um, You know, if you know me, you know that I'm a big 80s music fan. So uh, when I listen to the radio, I'm pretty much dialed into... 101.1 101.1 WCBS FM. That's kind of my go-to. And what's good about that station is from there, I can, I can turn the dial to to the right, and that goes to PDH 101.5, which that's a little bit harder. But I can also go down the dial to 101, 100.7, um, and that's a little bit softer. So I've got a lot of options. Um, if you're into the more modern music kind of scene, you might like the Z100 or K104, and if you like country music, I have no idea what channel you listen to. I'll just pray for you, and uh, we'll leave it at that. But um, there's two simple steps to uh, working a radio, right? you got to turn it on, and you got to tune it in. And typical choices, right? All my life has been basically AM or FM. Those are the two choices. And, uh, you know... I, I've told some of you guys I've got a pretty old car. It's a, it's a 2005 car that I bought, and I'm hoping to drive it for the next 20 years. I'm trying to take really good care of it, and um, it's got the tape deck in it still. Yeah, any of your cars have a tape deck? But um, last Christmas, um, I got this upgrade for my radio unit, and it allows me... Uh, to stream radio stations, to play music from my phone through my radio into this two thousand and five car, I love it now, I have access to stations on a high heart that they play 80s music non with no commercials it 's amazing I have I also have my custom curated Amazon Music 80s playlist that I can play anytime I want. And I want to tell you, they are wildly popular with my sister in law and three of my friends. Um, and if you're interested, I can make them available to you at no cost. Um, and best of all, though, there is an actual online station that streams old episodes of Casey Kasem's American Top 40. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's amazing. So, so some of you are thinking, like, I hope I never have to ride in Pastor Brian's car. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand my poor kids and family, I guess that's why, I guess that's why they make headphones, right? Um, but, but here's the point. With all that I have access to, what would you think if you know that I am still turned into some staticky old AM station after having all those upgrades, that station with so much treble that it hurts your ears and gives you a headache, you'd probably be like, Brian, what's wrong with you? Why are you listening to this when you have access to that? And I think that's that's exactly the point of this passage. Why are you still listening to this when you have access to so much more. Guys, you're still tuned in to the wisdom of this world. You're trying to do things that look good, that appear impressive, that get people to applaud you, but you have access to the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is streaming God's truth into your heart. And so the call is really to switch stations, to change frequencies, to tune into that, to live life from that place of what God is saying, what he cares about, what matters to the heart of God. love that last verse where it just affirms something real. You, we have the mind of Christ. You see, that's, that's why birth has to come before growth. That applies to every reborn believer. Through the Holy Spirit, you have the mind of Christ. You have access to the mind of Christ. And the question for all of us is, am I listening to it? Am I tuned into that? Am I tuned into the spirit of this age or the spirit of God? Whose values am I living my life out of? It's, it's so easy to dial into the world and live our lives as if getting ahead and looking good and making more money and impressing people and accumulating stuff. That's what matters. And the invitation is just to simply switch channels, tune into this message that it may sound from the world's perspective like utter foolishness but it's going to lead you into these things that are ageless and eternal. There's no other voice that is going to replicate, that is going to substitute for the voice of God speaking into our lives. And so the invitation is to just lock into that. That's that's how we kickstart growth. That's how we we, we get from just uh, spinning our wheels to actually making forward progress. What you hear... It may not fit in with the fashion trends of the day. So be it. Let's pray.